Hey, it's Frankie here. So we're like fighting these giant spiders and the elf spider lord and this huge underground cave with like a waterfall made of lava and stuff. Yeah, it's all pretty standard stuff we usually do. But we're totally kicking this thing's ass. I'm all like, pachoo! And then Flynn's all like, kapow! And then Ida's like, Frow! And Karen's flying through the air like, kaboom! And we're getting in there and we're doing violence, but like good guy violence. And we even threw the drow spider in the lava because that's what heroes do. After that, we went through the white door and it took us back to the big round room of doors, but this one opened up to a totally different place. But apparently whoever lives on the other side doesn't like visitors because they put a metal box over the entrance and we couldn't go anywhere. This sounds like a job for science. And welcome to the Terrible Adventures of the Jams and Brentford's Parchment Company. I believe this is episode 30, part 8 of our Hivewood Bound arc. My name is Penny D. I will be your dungeon manager today. And my favorite piece of furniture is uh, like a spig, squishy armchair with like the little leg thing that flops out. I have <laughs> basically created and edited this entire podcast in one of those chairs and i've just yesterday had to get rid of that chair and i'm very sad about it but yeah. life goes on and there will be other chairs <laughs> <laughs> kia ora i am nathan and i play flinvar the halfling bard your most sales worthy friend my favorite piece of furniture would also be like a comfy recliner that's not too narrow on the hips because i'm a a big guy <laughs> or a hammock because for a little while i was sleeping in a hammock so it's like multi use furniture is a good answer hammock's a great answer oh yeah and also i'm glad you picked hammock because i was going to be like you can't just take my thing and do it again (laughs) (laughs) chairs are my thing (laughs) so funny uh okay so my name is liz hello and i play karen the dwarf barbarian with a mission uh, the mission is to get all of her paperwork completed before the weekend. <laughs> My favorite piece of furniture, and this is going to be one which you guys are all going to be very jealous of, but my partner is a carpenter, and he is building me a kotatsu. No way. No. What? Yes. Are you serious? A Japanese heated table. Well, guess who's coming over to your house in winter? (laughs) (laughs) So for anyone who doesn't know, Kotatsu is a Japanese heated table and it's got a heater underneath it and you put your feet under it and you put a blanket over it and it warms you all the way. That is cool. And that is my favorite piece of furniture. That's amazing. If you've seen any Slice of Life anime, you've definitely seen a Kotatsu. (laughs) Hi, my name is Stephanie and I play Frankie the Human Artificer. My favorite piece of furniture... I like a little bit of interior design, and please don't hate me, but I kind of like the modern farmhouse look. I know a lot of people hate it. It gets hate, but I, I like it. So I really love a good, like, china buffet or a console table or, like, a coffee table. Like, I love those pieces of furniture. I don't know why. I just really do. Out of those three, which is the best one? 
Oh god, I'd have to probably say the buffet. Mm-hmm. That's that's just me. I just like it. Yeah, we're talking like cottage core. Yeah, love it. You can't go wrong with a nice solid piece of wood. Exactly. And now that I'm saying that out loud, <laughs> <laughs> chuck in a few live life loves, you know, and it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> and hi, I am Poppy. I play Arthur the Tiefling Rogue. So I was gonna say bed because I sleep <laughs> a butt ton, and I love me bed. But I have just got a new chair. It's a DX Racer. Yes, I can afford a DX Racer. <laughs> Barely. My credit card is completely screwed now. But I never understood how much a good chair does for like, because I spend a ton of time at the computer. So now my back ain't sore and I feel like a real gamer girl. Hey. It's a pretty good looking chair too from what I can see right now. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Good investment. Hey, so this isn't an interior decorating podcast, although I would like to start one of those. Ooh. This is a D&D podcast. So how do you guys feel about jumping into some Dungeons & Dragons, the terrible adventures of the James Brothers Parchment Company story? Yeah, we're going to play story mode instead of multiplayer this time around. We'll just play story mode. <laughs> story mode. So you guys are currently in a metal box. And on the other side of this metal box, someone has just called out to you. <laughs> Does anybody want to remind the audience of like how you ended up in this box, or we want to just like carry on through? We went through a door. Yeah, we were back through the white the, the white room of doors, and we ended up in a metal cube. Yeah. A magical door. And a dicky trolley. <laughs> <laughs> And the voice on the other side, after making some weird squeaking noises on its approach, has said to you, What do you want? Get out of here, ideally. <laughs> yes, we would uh, rather like to get out of this uh, mess- big metal box, please. This is not the deals as I created with your foreman. Drop the hoard in the chest and leave me alone. Your payment will be delivered in due time. Oh, oh. Flynn whispers to the team. Should we lie to get out of here? I stare right at Murphy. I'm like, do you know about this? <laughs> <laughs> Murphy is just like big eyes and just kind of like does the full like who the hell knows what this is about shrug. <laughs> should we say we got lost? No, uh, well, no I think we should probably we should probably pretend that we're because it sounds like it's to do with that guy, right? The Asus mm. man. Fella. That's true. Mm. But I don't just want to be- get a payment and then still be stuck in the house. <laughs> Unless it's electric. It's not like we've got anything to drop off because we were clearing it. We weren't dropping off product. Oh, I could definitely drop something off right now. Oh, n- no, no, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not, not right now. <laughs> Who is in charge on that side? How much electrum have you bought me this time? Aaron, do it. Uh, I believe we've got our wires crossed here, darling. Uh, my name is Karen, and I'm here on behalf of the foreman to clear the way because there's been holdups at the uh, 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 transportation of the product. Is everything okay on your side, or is there something you'd like us to fix over there as well? There's a long pause. And then the voices, ah, new players, curious, curious. 
and then you hear the squeaking noise going away from ee 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 or oil, whatever that is. <laughs> They're gone. Or, or the, the whatever the noise was has gone. Like, moved away from them. Uh, oh my god. Rude. C- come, come back, please. Uh, we'd quite like to get out of here. Maybe there is a way in here that they do get out, because obviously they've got to empty the chest somehow, right? I just want to confirm. The door isn't gone, right? Like, it, we could still go back through the door. Yeah. No, the white door is still there. I, I just want to get into this guy's house. Mm. From what I'm thinking, the chest is where they leave the Electra, probably. Yes, yep. Mm. And then there's some kind of pulley system that this guy on the other side operates that he lifts the whole box up off the ground without ever having somebody in the box. But the cube, it does, isn't the cube got a lid on it? Isn't it like a covered square? Well, I don't know. Penny, is it a covered square <laughs> or an open square? It's it's like it's like a five sided cube, but the fifth side is the floor, and you can see that there have been from Alakas' attempt to tunnel underneath that there have been some efforts made to prevent anyone from damaging or uh, otherwise going through the bottom. I think we should put someone in the chest. Oh my god! Because what happened? Like he might just pull the chest out, and we've got some small people here. That's true. How are the rest of us going to get out? Oh my god! Well, we'll. Persuasion. <laughs> we'll see. Give me a minute. Give me a second. Okay. Uh, Alcast, I'm going to need you to be on your best form, okay, Carrots? I'm sorry. Alcast? You got it, big sister. It's, 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 it's time to shine. This is your, this is your big chance. She stands there with her hands on her hips and she's like, what have you got, Mrs. Stonecutter? Excuse me out there. You're correct in saying that there's new players on the market. Now, I know that you're probably getting a rough deal on this transportation, collection, and distribution service of our very special product, but don't you worry out there, sir, because we have got a competitor for you, finally. Somebody else who is interested in shifting the same product for a more reasonable price. Cut the market. Yes, Karen. Alakast is like, I, I'd be more than happy to undercut that dick Asus and show you like a real good like customer, uh, salesperson relationship. It'd be great. It'd be wonderful. Plus, my product is just superior all over. So, let's do this. If you'd like to write up a contract, we have a expert salesman right here who can write you up something that is fantastic applicable and serviceable for both parties and Karen does this like big wink at Flynn Bar oh. and then and then she waits roll me a perception check ah uh, 10 how long do you wait for a minute two, two minutes there is absolutely no sign of the other the person on the other side of this box having even heard you they don't come back <clears throat> You don't hear any shouting. It was pretty obvious when they were approaching because of that squeaking noise, but you don't hear that at all. Like, they've obviously gone so far away that you can't even hear the squeaking anymore. Mm. I reckon we should go tell them that we've cleared the blockage and then they can put their product in and then we can see what happens from there. Possibly. 
I don't think squeaky trolley slash wheelchair is coming back. <laughs> we just need to have someone in the chest to prove there's weight. Then we can be like, all right, it's in the box. And then we clear out and then, yeah. I agree. Are you going to get in the box? I know. Are you going to get in the box? <laughs> Mate, if I could fit, I would. I think there might be someone who's very small who might have to get in the box. And then Karen's going to say out loud, <clears throat> Okay. Well, we're going to leave a small sample in the chest uh, so you can inspect the product for yourself. Uh, rest assured, you will find it excellent and uh, completely beyond your standards. But uh, this is a one-time offer, so if you're not interested in this, we'll just have to take it to somebody else and she's going to be like, Flynn, get in the box. I'm not getting in the box. Flynn, get in the box. I'm not a sample. I'm not a sample. <laughs> You're a sample. Get in the box. Pick Flynn up and I'm going to put him in the box. <laughs> I'm going to, I will fight that. I will fight that. <laughs> Alakas, where's your sample? Where's your sample of your products? <laughs> I, I gave them to you. Do you not remember when we got to the forge and I gave you all of the electrum that I had? I haven't had time to dig any up. I've been busy getting kidnapped by Drow. Yes, wasn't that, wasn't that in a fun adventure? Flynn, get in the box. I'm going to kick Ida on the knee. <laughs> you little rat. <laughs> I'm not going in the box. Frankie, help me. We don't know what happens to the chest. Frankie helps him. Like, you grab his arms, I grab his legs. What? <laughs> we just manhandle him into this box. I'm gonna bite you. I'm gonna bite you. Okay, either Idafa or Frankie oh roll a strength check at advantage versus Flynnvar's acrobatics check. Alright, I'll, I'll do that one. Yep, yep, yep. At advantage, you say. Love that. As, because there's two of you. True. As Karen watches the struggle, she leans over to Alakas and says, you, you might have to get into the box. <laughs> All right. Flynn, what do you get? I rolled a 16. Shit. <laughs> Guess Alakas is going in the box. <laughs> Murphy's going to speak up. And Murphy's going to be like, hey, uh, guys, uh... I'm not normally one who goes against making a deal, but um, the thing is, is this person seems to have some kind of deal with Asus, and maybe we're better off just going back and talking to Asus, because who knows when this person's gonna come back. And little sister here, like, like the thing is, right, is if one of us gets in the box and then gets out, then that person is by themselves, and who the hell knows what's on the other side of this thing. Yes, exactly. Thank you. That's what I said. We were legit about ready to just like abandon. <laughs> I'm gonna kick. I'm gonna kick Frankie on the knee as well, just so you both have kicked on the knee. <laughs> I've got my arms crossed too, and I'm pouting a little bit. Like what the fuck. <laughs> now we've got three people with like busted, busted legs. We're all like, ah, ah, my knee. So what now? Are you going to continue with your leaving someone in the box plan, or are you going to do something else? Ugh. Murphy kind of has a point. Yes, you're right. You're right. I wouldn't want to leave anybody over there on their own. It's true. <laughs> Thank you, big sister. Oh, it's, uh, it's an interesting accent, though. Who do you think it was? Murphy, you've, you've, never, you've never dealt with anyone who sounds like that before? I've never heard someone who sounds like that. Do you, like, I would have... I'm a deal maker. I'm a... I'm a wheeler and dealer and playmaker, just like Flynn. I, yeah, Flynn, have you ever sold paper to someone who sounds like that? No. 
Well, not that I reckon we're cool. I make a lot of deals. Okay, so also, who the hell knows where we are right now? Because we've just been through two portals to get here, right? So, like, who the hell knows where we even are? We could be, like, somewhere completely outside of Ymirsa. Who even knows? Somewhere like Montana. Somewhere like Montana, that's true. Fantasy Montana. Hannah Montana. We are in Hannah Montana. We're in Hannah Montana. What a dark place. Damn it, you guys solved all my lore. Now there's no point in playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Flynn's gonna go back through the door. Karen will follow. Cool. Anybody else? Just in case someone else changes their mind about putting me in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Alicast and Murphy will follow. Idafer and Frankie, do you guys have anything else you want to try or are you leaving? Well, I'll leave. I'll, I'll gimp back in through the door. So you are back in the room of doors? Romy and Arcana check, everyone. Natural one. <laughs> Dirty 20. Nice. I have an eight. 26. Nice. Frankie and Karen, this is like the fourth time that you've been into this sort of like, if you count, you know, going out and come back in again, this is like the fourth time you've been to the room of doors, right? What you're picking up from the pattern is that coming in through a door opens precisely one other door. And then that, and that's it. Like you can't even go back through the door that you came in. You have to go through the other door and then come back into the room of doors to open the other one. And from this point, it does appear that they are paired up because the one in the temple only led to the, to the question box. And then the question box only led back to the temple. And the same appears to be true here. So now that we're back in the room of doors, can we go into, can we go back through the lava? door now the lava floor room the the door that leads to the lava floor room which is directly opposite the one you just came through um is in fact open yeah so you can carry on through there with no obstacles so you are you going back through yep karen's gonna limp over to the lava flow door and open it up and say uh well after you in a chest in here you want to shove me in my god well there's one time flynn flynn you need to stop <laughs> living in the past agreed flynn, you can report this to hr if you like I'm right here whenever you need me. I'm going to stare daggers at Flynn and just be like, don't you dare. Let's just get stitches. Workplace bullying. <laughs> anyway. Who goes through into the lava floor room first? Okay, I'll go first. Ida will go first. Idafa, you emerge back into the lava floor room and you are surprised to find it full of people. Purple skinned people, warriors with white hair, all crouched around the dead body of the drow that you killed and they're examining it. Oh, come on. Is Poet with them? Because the, the drow took Poet, right? Roll me a perception check. That's eight. Jeez, my rolls are trash today. <laughs> it takes you a second. Like, you you basically, like, the rest of you see Idafa walk through and then kind of stop and not make room for the rest of you. Poet is with him. It just takes you a minute to spot him. It's not too hard because he is, you know, wearing completely different types of clothes to them. But with the, there's probably like a dozen people not counting the dead body now in this room. Poet is with them. There's a lot of people here. Karen's going to kind of bustle past Idafa, leaving the door to swing if nobody catches it. She was holding it open. She's going to take stock of all of the drow. I'm assuming they're drow. Has any of them seen us yet as we go through the door? I just rolled a perception check for the group. It was quite low. So at this moment, no, they haven't seen you. But like, you are 10 feet and up a little like dice from them. Literally, as soon as you move, someone's going to notice you. <laughs> hmm. 
I can sneak out. I have an invisibility potion, but I can't help the rest of you guys, so that's not what Karen's going to do because she's not that kind of gal. Not one to put her employees in pockets. She's not one to abandon her employees, but she isn't very good at thinking long term in some cases. So she's going to kind of stand on the dais and say in very, very bad Elvish, because she knows Elvish technically, but she's not good at it. She's going to say, Ah! Uh, Mary? As soon as you speak up, you have like 10 arrows pointed at you. <laughs> From these, from these different drow. Tez, the leader that you noticed before, is like kneeling next to the head and shoulders. And then just behind Tez, Poet is standing with his hand on her shoulder and looks up and roll me an insight check. 15. Poet looks impressed to see you. Like he doesn't look sad or angry or worried. Like the, the facial expression that you read is like, oh damn, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> So Poet's impressed. Karen's hands shoot up in the air, but she kind of gives Poet a little wave and she says, <clears throat> Yes, uh, Mary, Mary greetings to a clan of you. How, how is you? Good? <laughs> Poet like kind of looks at you, looks down at Tez, who sort of shrugs and then says something that you don't understand. To, to Poet, and Poet looks up and says, Hello, Karen. Did you do this? Hello, darling. Well, it wasn't, uh, it was self-defense, shall we say. There wasn't really an option to not. Poet then says, basically, like, you're getting the idea they're translating for, for Tez. Says something to Tez. Tez says something back to them uh, in this language you don't understand. And then looks up and says, Are the rest of you up there? I wave out and go like, hi. <laughs> Why don't you all come on down? Tez says something to the warriors and they all keep their arrows knocked, but they don't, like they undraw the arrow. So like they're no longer, they're now tensed, but they're no longer pointing loaded weapons at you. Okay, but uh, we're not looking for a, a fight right now. We're just here on a job. I'll go and get everyone. And she's going to go into the the room of doors and say, all right, everyone, uh, it's time to meet some new friends. Please be nice to everyone. And as she kind of says that, she passes the invisibility potion that she has to Alicast. Cool. And she says very quietly, she says, drink it. Roll stealth check. 15 plus zero. 15. How long does the invisibility last? I know the sampler's kit is not long term. It's probably what, a minute? I think it was a 10 minute. Okay. Well, you're not shot in the back with any arrows and Alakas does give you a thumbs up and signals everybody else to go ahead of, her, of them. Flynn goes to the door. Flynn, you see a room full of drow with their bows out, not necessarily pointed at you, but like a room full of very upset looking drow and poet. They've dragged the body of the drider away from the lava and they're kind of examining it at the foot of the stairs. There's probably room for you all to go down the stairs and then stand in a group and then they'll be like 10 feet in front of you. I'll go to the edge of the stairs and just kind of stand there like casually looking around like doo -doo -doo. <laughs> Is anyone else doing anything other than going to the bottom of the stairs? Frankie, you on board with this? Yeah. Okay. So the whole group, Sans Alicast, is grouped together at the bottom of the stairs. Just as I, like, we're going down and Lynn's just sort of standing there and I'm like, 
I bet you wish you were in that uh, chest now. <laughs> the drow warriors spread out in a semicircle pattern. Again, their their bows are ready, but not cocked, not drawn. And they basically spread out without being commanded. They know how to work together as a unit. And Tears and Poet approach. And Tears kind of looks you all sort of up and down. And then says something that you don't understand a poet. And then Poet looks at you and says, Look, I don't believe in this myself, but on behalf of the Dreaming Lord, Tez would like to thank you for cleansing our sister of her corruption. Oof, phew. And Flynn, like, puts out his hand and he's like, yo, welcome. <laughs> oh, God. There is a visible relief on Karen's face because she knew that she was the one who threw her hands on And she says, oh, no. <clears throat> Poet, she was talking about uh, a mother that she wanted us to see. Is there something the drone need help with? Poet translate this to Tez, and Tez looks at him and just nods. And Poet says, Mother is Mother Lolth, the spider queen, who has abandoned the sisterhood for some time. There are those amongst the drow, who still worship Loth, despite the fact that she has left. But most drow now worship the Dreaming Lord instead. As for your offer of help, there's nothing to be done. Mother Loth will return when she returns, but the drow will carry on as they always have. Okay, no, poet, see, now I'm confused because... Why? What is confusing about any of the things that he just said? (laughs) Of course, that's sarcastic. (laughs) All of the gods left over a hundred years ago before I was born. That is around the time that Mother Lolf also disappeared. How can she still make changes on this plane? She shouldn't... There's there's no evidence to support that the gods can even touch us anymore or that they're even still alive if this is true then this is a world changing especially for the wizards in the city that there's still a god that can influence uh, the people in this world do you know what this implies poet walks over and gently puts a hand on your shoulder and says this poor soul got too involved with raw electrum This is not the actions of a deity. This is simply what happens when you mess with raw magic. Ricky just kind of like looks a little concerned. (laughs) He has so many Electrum in his socks right now. (laughs) You guys have processed Electrum coins with you. None of you have even, like, aside from maybe like a pile of ore upstairs at the, the refinery, None of you have really ever seen or spent any time around raw Electrum. All you know of it is that every time you walk into a font, it's somewhere below, but like you've, it could be any number of miles below that point. Yeah, that's cool. Cool, cool, cool. I should have had you roll an Arcana check for, for that information. Can you roll it now? And then I'll put it before I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I got a net 20. Bam, bam, bam. Karen only got an 8. She doesn't. 26 again. And that's a 10 for Ido. Frankie, that thing I said a moment ago. <laughs> Frankie, does this mean that we are 
and and Karen kind of looks to Frankie because he's the smart one for. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes. For for reassurance, because she's just heard that messing with Electrum turns you into a half spider, and she's like, "Uh, oh shit! You've been messing with a lot of elect. You've been doing experiments with this stuff. What is? Oh God! Are, is Frankie going to turn into a spider? Well, we better put him down now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, Frankie. The drow warriors, at word from Tez, all begin packing up their bows and, like, you know, putting the arrows away. And they together go and scoop up the dead body of the drider. And Tez says something to Poet, who sort of shakes her hand. And then the drow all begin to leave the cave, going back up the bridge, like, out of here. Is Poet going with them? No, Poet doesn't go. He stays. Pay the debt, then? Poet? Well, I think you paid it for me, actually. You're welcome. Okay. I was commandeered to help cleanse one of the sisterhood of corruption. When I arrived, it was already done. Well, we can work out a deal about how you can pay us back for that. I've got some uh, good terms that we can negotiate. Yeah, that's right, Flynn. You write him a contract. (laughs) I'm sure we can come to some agreeable terms. What have you been doing since I saw you last? Fighting? This beast? Oh, there's a magic doorway over there. Nothing. Karen, like, shoots daggers at Flynnvar. And she says, oh, just... <laughs> just uh, clearing an area for for the Electrum dealers. Nothing much to worry about. As we are all very strong warriors and uh, excellent office workers, they thought that we were the best people for the job, and it turns out we were. I see. Frankie scoff. And then it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> did you go through the door? Yep. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and what did you find? Yeah, just a bunch of doors. Another door. What did you find on the other side of that? Definitely not a box that someone would shove me in. <laughs> <laughs> You're acting awfully suspicious there, poet. I think you know what was behind that door. You know, I do apologize for breaking our deal and leaving you alone, but I see you are more capable than some might give you credit for. I am again at your disposal as your guide through this place, if you will have me. Just a quick question. Will there be other instances where you'll be called away suddenly and leave us to unknown risky areas, perchance? Well, I wasn't expecting it the first time, and I guess none of us really know the future. And when he says that, he kind of smiles. Like, he smiles to himself like at, at a joke that you don't really get. And then he says, I'll do my best to stick around. All right. Where's your extra? You, where's the prisoner that, that you traded me for? Oh, don't worry about her. She is, she has a, a habit of surviving. She smelt really bad and she was dumb. And so Otto's basically just like trying to rile her up because she's invisible. <laughs> <laughs> Roll me a deception check. Oh, that's a natural one. My rolls have been <laughs> so bad today. You receive a kick in the shin and you're unable to mask the pain. Jeez. Uh, uh, is it in the opposite shin to what, like... Yeah, now both of my shins are fractured. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't kick you that hard. So now what? Let's go back to Alakas. I mean, not Alakas. Asus. Asus. Yes, I believe the only thing to do is to go back and tell Asus that his uh, supply route has been 
Conquered again. Will you join us, Poet? I don't see why not. It doesn't take long. You, the, it, It's pretty much just one route from the bottom of the elevator to this cave. And with Poet now acting as your guide again, it doesn't take you very long at all. You go up out the bridge. Do you spend any time clearing more spiderwebs or do you just leave? I'm done with spiders. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> up the bridge, through the really pretty room with the like really like over intense bioluminescence right outside the space. You do realize now upon exiting, the pillars framing the cave that lead to the bridge that lead to the island are decorated the same way as the stairs and the pillars that like frame the door. Uh, we should have figured out what was going on before. Well, something to keep an eye out for in the future. You also have the compass, so you should be you should be fine to find doors in the future if you need to. True. Kia Penny here. Thank you for joining us for the show. Just some quick announcements and we'll get back into the action. Production for the Yes and Charity Stream is up and running and we are so excited to be working on it again. For the uninitiated, Yes and is a 24-hour live stream we put on last August involving 40-plus Kiwis playing Dungeons & Dragons to raise money for charity. In 2021, we raised over $6,000 for the Starship Foundation and this year we're hoping to go even bigger. Right now, we're recruiting players and DMs, so if you're listening to this episode in April of 2022, you can drop in an application to be part of the show and play D&D for a yet-to-be-determined charitable cause. If you're keen to join us, please go ahead and send an email to yesandcharitystream at gmail.com. You'll get an automatic reply with a rundown of what to expect for the show and a link so you can apply to be a DM or a player. I especially hope some of our listeners here at JBPC might choose to come and play with us. The Yes and Charity stream will also be putting on a live show to set up this year's game, and that will be featuring some of our awesome team, as well as yours truly. The show, titled The Cult of Kevin, will be going live on May 7th, 2pm to 5pm New Zealand time. We'll be posting about it a lot leading up to the date, so just keep an eye on your socials and you'll be fine. On to the Patreon, I just wanted to shout out our current Factory Foreman supporters, James Courtright, Dusty at Gamers ADHD, and Claire McDonald. You are all so very attractive, and I heard that the big fashion magazine was planning to offer you a modeling contract very soon. Please don't forget us when you've moved away to the big city and fall in love with Ryan Gosling. If you enjoy our show, please consider stopping by patreon.com slash Podcast and pledging a monthly donation. I'm posting weekly exclusive content over there, so hopefully you'll find something to tickle your fancy. Music credits, thanks to Don't Look Inside by Biz Baz Studios, Brain Melt by Underbelly, Zamine, Movement of Earth, and Poison Rose by Akash Gandhi, Spider Legs by Diala, The Path Starts Here by Cooper Cannell, Strange Stuff by Matt Harris, Cold Step by MK2, and Kill 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 by Coyote Hearing. And thank you very much to our own Karen, or Liz, for editing this episode. She's doing an amazing job, and it's really cool to see uh, how fast someone can really get into being able to be a good podcast editor. So thank you so much for your help, Liz. As always, social medias are facebook.com slash Podcast and at JBPC Podcast on Twitter. And you can keep an eye out for news on the Yes And Charity Stream by following our pages on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Yes And Charity Stream. You can also stay up to date on not just these cool projects, but all sorts of great Kiwi shows by following the hashtag KiwiRPG on Twitter. 
Next up is episode 31, Hivewood Bound Part 9, and this is our arc's big finale. Catch it as it drops on April 24th, and trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. Let's get back into it. So you return to the compound. Renault retrieves you and is really impressed that you come back and you're like, yep, done. And they're kind of like, oh, you are the fourth set of adventurers that Asus sent to clear this cave. Oh, there could have been loot in the webs. We should be getting it paid a huge amount. You you said four, you said four different groups of their deaths? Well... Oh, God! Well, what, what? Uh. well, Asus did, and they agreed to go. The point is, we are stronger than four groups of people. The point is, if I had if I had known that three different groups had gone in there and not returned, I would not have put my employees in danger. You need to tell people these things. We're not kind of shrugs. Roll me insight. Oh, bad. Six. Flynn rolled a 19. Frankie rolled a... Uh... Uh, an 11. Okay, Flynn, as Karen is, like, scolding Renault for this, Renault, she seems like, internally, she agrees with Karen, but you get from body language, they kind of agree, but they're just too, like, too scared to actually say something. Voice it, yeah. Would you like to go back up? Yes. Yeah, I guess. By the way, Alakast's invisibility has more than run out by this point, so now there are seven of you. <laughs> As the elevator goes up, it passes through the smelting level from before. Dwarves are currently at work and they're all sort of rushing around. There's much more hustle happening than the first time that you came through here. You can roll an insight check on like what's going on here if you'd like. Yeah, I want to know. I think you rolled an 18. Uh, Karen also rolled an 18. Flynn got a 16. Ida didn't roll. Okay. Ida was just like, oh, more people. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who just rolled, can you please roll me a, a separate perception check? Karen and Frankie, you realize that the dwarves are currently moving like a whole ton of their Electrum stock. Obviously in piles of 419, because we know what happens when you get to 420 pieces of Electrum in one pile. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately they do catch fire if you have 420 of them, so. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, But what they're doing is they're moving a bunch of their, like, stocks into one place. They're they're moving everything close to the elevator. Mm, interesting. Karen rolled a 22 on perception. Frankie got a 19. Karen, you, from where you're standing, you see a poet turn invisible. You, you, he's standing there for a moment and you're the only one who sees it just because you're like, he's at the back of the group and you just happened to, you know, see his knee or something. Poet turns invisible. Karen's not going to address that, but instead she is going to turn back to our esteemed guide and say, well, what's going on here now? Oh, you know, just that work. Getting ready. Time for a delivery. Just just filling filling a chest? Hmm, maybe. <laughs> and you arrive at the top floor, because it doesn't take long. Like, the work floor is right underneath the sort of lounge space that you first met Asus in. Asus himself, who's still not standing, like, still sitting at the same table in the same place, all of his miners are there as well and they're all mecked up with their robot limbs before they're all kind of lounging around now there are like 25 30 dwarfs and all of them have you know like robot shoulder frankie is so obsessed yeah <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are arms and legs but a few of them like one of them has a robot jaw you know one of them has like a sort of full like half chest and arm piece and one guy has a robot butt 
Yeah, one guy has a robot, but everyone is all completely mecked up and in full gear. And Asus watches the elevator come up. Roll me insight again, everyone. A 19 for Karen. Ricky got a 10. Oh my gosh. I rolled a net one. Yeah. And then because of my half lane, I was like, re-roll. And it went up to a 20. Like, what are the odds of that? Nice. Flynn, from when you were here last time to when you're here now, the atmosphere is very different. You get the feeling that this is some kind of show of intimidation or show of force that is happening right now. Like, they are all surrounding the elevator as you come up. And I'll just remind you that since you've been on the elevator, you are currently within a font. And Asus looks up from his paperwork and looks over you and he's like, Oh, congratulations on your wonderful feet. Definitely the best set of adventures that I had. Very well done. And Murphy's like, yeah, um, you know, no problem. Do you think that maybe we have ourselves a deal? Asus kind of looks over at you and he says, how much Electrum did you take with you when you left? Oh, like nothing. There was 11 in each of those bags. Asus is like, uh, yeah, we can have ourselves a deal just as soon as we square up current debts. 44,000 gold for the Electrum that you took. And, uh, and we should be square. I could just give you back the Electrum. Interesting. That would talk about debts, Asus. I think you have a few debts to settle yourself. Three different sets of adventurers you sent into that hole. Three different sets you sent to die. And if we hadn't come back, we would have been the fourth. Who were they? I sent adventurers to... They voluntarily participated in an activity that I asked to be done, and they failed. They didn't... I didn't force them to go. They went there out of greed and hubris and the idea that they think that they are more powerful than nature, which apparently you are. There's nothing we can do about those who have been lost to the spiders, so I'll simply take my payment for services rendered. It's like you don't hear me, Asus. It's like the words that come out of my mouth don't reach your ears. Who were they? I don't know. Dwarves. There was a... <laughs> the first was a... Gemheart group. The second was a... Who was it? Ah, then there were some gold seekers. And then the third were more diamond hearts. What do you want from me? They come here looking for money and I promise them money. And their, their bodies? You've returned them to the families? I mean, were their families giant spiders who ate them? <laughs> Sorry, Ido does think that was a little bit funny. <laughs> <laughs> now... I don't- I assume that you didn't think that a bunch of stock, a bunch of Electrum was free. And I assume that you didn't think that the world's most prominent Electrum merchant was in the business of giving away his stocks. And then Ido pipes up and he's like, well, you shouldn't assume because it makes an ass out of you and me. <laughs> we totally thought it was free. Why would we not think it was free? I don't roll a dexterity saving throw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oi! Natural 20, baby! <laughs> One of the miners behind you, like, tried to punch you in the back of the head, and you were able to just dodge it, and as the, like, the hand is, like, next to you, you can hear this, like, high-pitched humming noise, and then they pull back, and you do realize that all these miners, like, 25, 30 of them, are ready for violence. 
They are packing. If they need to, and they are packing, yeah. Something about their limbs is more than just, you know, replacement prosthetics. There's more going on here than than they're letting on. I thought that this community was different. I thought that this community was about working for the good of dwarves and not for the good of gold. And yet here you are, you've killed so many dwarven people. You don't even care who they were. You don't care who their families are. You haven't sent their bodies back. And you talk to me about the debts that I owe? Azus, the debts that you owe are things that you cannot repay. The body of a dwarf is worth way more than any electrum can ever amount to. A liver, a kidney, an arm for a, a twisted rat left in a mine, at the eyes. These are all gold. These are all things that you have stolen from the gold seekers, from the diamond hearts, from the gem hunters. You talk to me about debts, to me about community, and yet you have stolen so much from the families above. What would they think of you, Asus? What would they think of what you've become? So Asus puts up an arm and like clicks his fingers and Scrap, the Warforged who is standing behind him, suddenly leans down and pulls Asus's seat backwards and like picks him up and scoops him up out of his chair. And for the first time, you can see that his whole torso is massively caved in. The entire left side of his ribcage underneath his arm has collapsed. And whereas most dwarves would have a healthy, stout stature, beneath his beard, he is concave, like he is missing most of his organs. Well, how? The Warforged chest panel opens, revealing a hollow space inside. And Asus fits, like, basically the, the, the Warforged brings him back towards the chest cavity, and Asus, like, fits really naturally inside it. And you realize that this Warforged isn't just broken, it's been heavily modified to serve as a transportation suit for this badly injured dwarf. The Warforged, like basically the head is like bent back and so like the top half and one arm is Asus and then the rest of it like the, the other arm and, and everything pretty much underneath the sort of chest is all Warforged. The body walks toward you and, and Asus says, What's the matter, Mrs. Stonecutter? Signed up for something without checking the fine print? Did you give the best parts of yourself today? only to end up screwed by the one who profits for your suffering? I'm sure I have no idea what that's like. And then at this point, a bunch of the miners behind you start grabbing at you. Everybody except Karen, you feel like big robot arms grabbing you like behind the arms and like underneath the neck and you've got like maybe five people on each of you. Miffy's just got one guy grabbing him and that guy, that's the guy with the, the neck. He doesn't even have robot arms and legs. Each of you find yourselves like four or five people with robot limbs like basically grabbing you and holding you except for Karen. Karen is like staunching out in front of this dwarf. And the robot walks a little closer to you and he turns and sort of looks at Murphy and he's like, 
Thank you for clearing the way to my fortune, Mr. McSoul. But I've decided that our deal is off. But on the bright side, I'm handing you over to your direct competition. I'm sure you'll have a marvelous time together. Oh, oh shit. Not this again! <laughs> oh my god. Asus looks around all of you, kind of sees you guys like looking at each other, like making a little eye contact with each other, and he says, in case you're thinking of trying something violent, they're expendable, and they know it. More will always come and take their quarters. And I ask you, Mrs. Stonecutter, how expendable is this boy to you? Are you willing to sacrifice him to get one up on me? How expendable is Mr. McSoul to you? Will you find another like him? I suggest that we make a new deal. Karen, like, Karen's head flicks towards Frankie. And Frankie looks excited, but... <laughs> Karen looks nervous. And she looks back at Asus and says, What's the deal? It has to be in writing this time. All the terms and conditions. Just saying. When somebody punches you in the stomach. Oh. He looks over at Flynn and he points at Flynn's hip at the bag of holding. And he says, To cover all this debt that you've so foolishly accrued with me, I'll take that. And as if on cue, what happens as in response to this, all of the dwarves who are holding you, the hands and the knees and the neck and everything, the panels begin to open and you can see this like weird sort of blue light and that, that hum that you heard before, Idafer, begins to like get a lot louder. If we say no. We, we probably shouldn't say no. No, you probably shouldn't. I just want to see what Mr. Azus thinks is the end game of all of this. What happens next, Azus? Where are you going? What's next? What's next is I'm going to put my product in your transportation device. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to give it to the person I've made this deal with. The doctor, whatever his name is. And then I'm going to be rich. And then I'm going to come back here and I'm going to live forever. Can we have the bag of holding back after that? I've got my favorite hat in there. He smiles at you, Flynn, and he's like, absolutely. Roll me an insight check. 21. He is 100% lying. He's not expecting you to still be alive after this is all done. By the way, Alakast, who is also being held, like, is horrified at the idea that Asus has called his workers expendable. And she's kind of, like, pushing back a little bit against them. And she says, You damn hypocrite! You're no better than them sitting up on that mountain. I thought you were different. Well, I thought you were a dick, but I thought you were a different kind of dick. The one thing that you need to learn about us, Asus, about this little company here, plus Murphy, of course, is that at the Janderson Brefford's Parchment Company, no one is expendable. Not even your workers, and not even you, Asus. However, I could be persuaded otherwise and karen's great axe appears in her hand magically karen i want you to roll a dexterity saving throw at disadvantage mm, 10 <laughs> karen you are i think shocked is the wrong word but you feel like a bunch of energy pulse through you 
in a bad way. I don't know what it feels like, but I imagine it's probably more like a radiation way than an adrenaline way. Ugh. For the next minute, you are stunned. Mm. So that, does that mean I can't talk anymore? I'll say for the purposes of the story that you can talk, you can't move your body. What happened was one of the one of the miners behind you like touched you with the open part of their Warforged limb, and it like shocked you in a very very weird way. And from the floor, Karen says, "No one's expendable." Alakast says, "I agree." And then a minute, like a second later, they are also lying on the ground right next to you. Can Flynn roll to do like a rousing speech performance to aimed at the workers? Go ahead, Flynn. So I'm going to roll for performance. I got an 11. So Flynn widens his arms to gesture towards the the workers and he's like, like Karen said, no one's expendable and you don't have to be admitted into a cult that says that you're dispendable. If you need somewhere to belong, you can come be an amazing company where you can work with paper. You can even have your own home here with a different leader. You don't need to follow him. Hey Flynn. Yeah? Roll a dexterity saving throw. Oh no. 13? No. You are also stunned, and someone takes your bag of holding away from you. Oh, my bag of holding. Asus nods to you, Idafa, and the person who took the bag of holding off of Flynn hands it to you. You're gonna fill up this bag for me, and when I'm done, I might not kill you. I know you realize that Asus doesn't know, like, while he might know what a bag of holding is, he doesn't necessarily know about the whole, like, you put it in, you take it out thing, and he thinks he's being safe and clever. Alright, alright, uh, what do you want me to fill it with? The elevator starts to go down, with everyone on it. And Karen, for just a second, like, because of the angle that you're on, for just a second, as everyone in this room, like, descends down, like, right before the room disappears from view, you see Poet, who's not on the elevator, drop out of invisibility up on top, up on the top floor. Guys, uh, find yourselves in the workroom, like where all the electrum ore is developed. You find yourselves in the refinery. Asus basically like, using his robot arm, guides you over to where the electrum piles are and like tells you to hold the bag open so that they can start putting electrum into it. All right. The vibrations from the elevator has managed to shake Karen's arm over to Alakast's hand and she kind of, even though she's still stunned, she can kind of hold on to Alakast's hand and she says, and she squeezes Alakast's hand and she says, no one's expendable. No one's expendable. Oh God. Oh God, I feel. So while the rest of you are like regaining your, you know, the three of you, you know, regain the ability to, to move again. And the, the miners are all on like high alert for you guys to try anything. So they're all standing with their like danger panels open on their limbs. Idafa, do you like hold the bag open and like start scooping stuff into it? I just hold it open for them. They're using machinery to dump it in. They're not like, and Isus is like standing over you, making sure that you don't try anything. What happens next is for about 10 minutes, Electrum is dumped into the bag of holding. For purposes of keeping your inventory updated, you now have 11,751 pieces of Electrum. Sweet, thank you. <laughs> Frankie, is there anything, this is gonna take about 10 minutes. Is there anything that you would like to attempt to do during this time? I feel like Frankie would have voluntarily got stunned because he would have touched the danger panel just, you know, for science, like, oh, cool. And he would have like just voluntarily kept getting stunned 
throughout that process because he's just interested. He's adorable. Oh my god. Karen, you make it up back to your feet and you feel something lightly pressed into your palm. I look at it. It is an earring. Murphy's handed you it like stealth handed you an earring. She clips it onto her ear. She's very she's looking very confused, but she's like, well, I suppose she kind of touches her ear. Roll me a stealth check. That's twelve? Some people do see you put the earring on. No one stuns you for it. It's not an aggressive action, but some of the miners do see you do see you do it. A Susan didn't see you do it. Karen will make a show of like adjusting her necklace and like brushing off her clothes. Like, oh, I've put my earring back on. Now I'm making sure that my pearls are nice. Roll performance. 18. Yeah, yeah, you 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 are used to sort of preening yourself and adjusting your makeup and whatnot, so it's it's pretty believable looking. So after everything has disappeared into the bag, the elevator continues downwards. And you all together, single file, separated by several miners with these like stun limbs, you are all marched back toward the lava room. Asus, like who's right behind you, Karen? leans forward and like now that you're all out of the font you can feel like his breath is real short and raspy but he leans forward in his like warforged mech suit and he says to you i'm going to kill you last They'll be gone soon enough. Asus Diamond Heart here, foreman of Ymir's only Electrum mine, and future clan lord of the entire forge. Thanks for listening to the show. Someday it'll be a historical text showing me rise to power. If you want a piece of advice, just stay out of my way.